Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I always say good morning. I don't know if it's morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are, um, but it's morning here, and we're happy that, that you're with us. Uh, with me always, as, as we start these conversations and banner back and forth, is my esteemed colleague, uh, Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray, how's things in Somerset? Yeah, everything is well, and since you've already let the cat out of the bag, I'll say good morning. Um, <laughs> But yes, got a little coffee. It was probably gonna. It's gonna be revealed anyway that this is this is an early AM, and some of our, you know, vocal shortcomings shouldn't be held against us. And and I think most people know that it's it's in the morning. Uh, you've got a cup of coffee. I've got an energy drink. And if we were doing this at ten thirty at night, it would probably be suspect. <laughs> that and the more, big window behind with the sunshine. More suspect. More suspect. Um, again, we're we're glad you're here. We're glad you're tuning in with us. Um, as as we've you know kind of gone down the the rabbit hole in this podcast, if you will, you know we've been through many different topics, and the current one that we're on right now is looking at at, at Christians at work and what lessons we can learn from um, the working lives of Bible characters. Um, and again, I'll, I'll give our standard disclaimer at the beginning of this. The, the lessons that are in scripture are absolutely for scriptural, spiritual purposes. You know, they're there to help us grow closer to God. They're here. To, they're there to help us better with our faith. However, it's our juxtaposition, if you will, that we think there's some lessons we can learn from the work that they did and the successes and failures that they had. We think that those are just universal lessons that we can learn. So we're going to focus on some, you know, maybe lesser aspects than you've heard before from some of these stories as we try to understand how we can, we can be better um, and how we can take those lessons into the workplace and, and, and be better uh, tomorrow than we were today. Uh, so that takes us, you know, we've been through, you know, Michael Love, we've been, we've been through Joseph, we've been through Isaac and the Wells, we've been through uh, Jacob, um, we've been through, see, I'm, I'm probably missing somebody. Uh, Abraham, Tower, Tower of Babel. Abraham, uh, Tower of Babel. And so if you've been paying close, close attention, we've been working our way backwards through Genesis um, unintentionally, <laughs> um, just kind of how it how it fell. Um, but so we're going to we figured why not, you know, wrap up Genesis with go all the way back to the very beginning. Um, if we were smarter and better prepared, we probably would have started with the lesson we're going to do today and worked our way out. But yes, that's that's how these things go. Uh, <laughs> So this morning, uh, and, and, and I, I, I was thinking about this as, as we were prepping for it. Um, Michael, catch us up to Genesis chapter one. How, how do we get here? Um, what's going on that leads us to this place? This, this is really what I think I add to the podcast. And so I really, I really think that my role is being diminished here. I think this is all part of your plan. That the, the setup here is, is going to be pretty anticlimactic. Um, so, hey, we're in Genesis two. Um, and, and literally not much has happened. <laughs> well, in, in fairness, a lot has happened. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think everybody kind of knows the score in Genesis two, uh, the, the world has been created and, and there's, there's, there's a couple of key sentences in, in chapter two, Mike, that, that I think kind of lead to the conversation about Adam's work life. And I don't know how much thought anybody's ever put into Adam's work life. You know, what was Adam's life like in general is, is kind of a fascinating question. Um, walking with God, 
especially in these in these uh, pre Eve days, however long those days were. So he but, wasn't laying in a hammock. <laughs> well, that's part of the conversation here. <laughs> I had, I have no idea if a hammock was provided. Um, <laughs> I, that's that's not revealed to us in the text. But I do know I do know a couple of things. So there's a couple of verses. And, and I'm going to key on these first as kind of our first point, and then we'll, we'll, we'll diverge from there, I'm sure. But the first point that the text makes, I think, is interesting is in, is in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. <clears throat> and Moses records this for us. I'm going to read this verse. When no, when, and I'm in, uh, I think I'm in the English Standard. Your version may read slightly different. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. So <clears throat> we, we've already learned, uh, and this is this is a recap, you know, just a chapter two in a lot of ways is a retelling or a recap of the creation account. But we've already learned that there is some vegetation on the earth, like that, like that, uh, creative process has, has happened, but there's something that is still not, not, um, the, the, the process of some, something in, in verse five hasn't happened yet. And I would, I would, uh, proffer to you that that has to do with, you know, crops with, um, pl plants that have been, um, that are, that are worked for produce because, you know, what does it take for, something to spring up on the ground, you know, any, any of us that have yards will tell you that weeds, you know, take no effort, but there's something here in verse five that requires man to work the ground. Um, and so I, although it's not explicit in the text, I, I'm, I'm persuaded that we are talking about crops here that we're talking. Um, and, and what is required for crops for that kind of human flourishing? Well, God gives us in this verse, he gives us two requirements. He says, the Lord God hadn't caused it to rain. So part of it's God, part of it's on God's side. It requires the blessings of God that, that we're not going to have any flourishing. We're not going to have any um, profit. We're not going to have any um, growth without the blessings of God. But secondly, the second requirement, not like this would be great if we had this, but second requirement is there was no man to work the ground. And isn't it fascinating that from the very beginning from literally Genesis chapter two, that the work of man was required to fulfill the blessings of God, that God could have easily set up a different system here for crops and vegetation that, that man could. And, you know, frankly, if you're God, you probably think it should be irrelevant. <laughs> this blessing is for me, but, but the system is set up. God arranged this earth in such a way that the work of man is required to receive the blessings of God. I think that that is pretty profound that in so, in so many different ways, the, the work of man is required to receive the blessings of God. And I think about all the different ways that that applies to our work lives and how that should make us think about our work lives. Um, and, and one that I talk about a lot, just cause I, I think it's interesting is how many times does the Bible talk about our daily bread? give us this day our daily bread. Um, and that seems like a pretty rudimentary, very simple thing. Well, what, what, it, what was required for a, for a 
Noah to have his daily bread is is altogether different than what is required for me to have my daily bread. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, it's the same thing, right? It's some kind of grain that's been broken, it's been milled and, and, and created in some kind of bread. But I think about how many businesses are required in getting me my daily bread. Um, from the from the company that sells the seed for the wheat to the farmer that works the land to the farm machinery equipment dealer to the farm machinery equipment manufacturer to the fertilizer manufacturer to the distribution company that that moves the grain to the mill to the milling company to the baking company to the distribution company that gets the completed product to a warehouse where it's then delivered by a different company to retail where a retailer you know stocks that loaf of bread and then and where I go to Kroger and pick it up and then and then all of the affiliated accountants and HR and and uh, professional services and that they're involved along the way there are thousands of people employed in getting me my daily bread the, the blessings of God require the work of man. Now we've made it complex <laughs> and humans have a way of doing that. But the fundamental, the fundamental lesson I think is the same that everything that God offers to us is a blessing. And this is true spiritually and as well as physically in many ways requires the work of man that it spiritually it's men that are required to go tell the gospel story. That's the way it gets spread. The blessings of God require the work of man and physically you know, our clothes, our food, our shelter, all of, uh, all of our entertainment, it all requires the work of man. Um, that, that God, you don't see the, um, the real world example of God just dumping this in our lap without the effort of man. Um, now, God is, to, to remove the involvement of God is, is, would be absurd. And yet, the work of man is required. It's required of Adam, and it's still required today. Okay, I'll quit filibustering. <laughs> yeah, it's so it, it it's so amazing that um, you know when you think about both spiritual lessons as well as work lessons that the from the very beginning to your point that this was a partnership, right? I mean that that's kind of what we would call it is that it it takes us and God to make all this stuff work. You know, it was a partnership. It's a partnership for everything we talk about spiritually, as well as, you know, in, in, in the work and labor. And, and just to, you know, catch catch you all up, if you weren't paying close attention to what Michael was saying, we're in Eden, right? We're, we're talking about Eden. You know, we're not talking about, you know, when they settled outside the gates and after the fall of man, we're talking about utopia here. So utopia was not maybe what we picture that. I think some people get the false picture that, you know, if we could go back to Eden, we'd be, you know, in hammocks, you know, eating grapes or whatnot with no work. But listen to the text. You know, Michael read from Genesis 2 and verse 5. Before man was created, this was the strategy, right? That we're going to cause some some rain or some mist to feed those crops, but man's got to work them. So if you want to eat, you got to work, you know, I'm, you know, again, from the text, I'm assuming there's, there's trees and there's other types of vegetation, but it's, you know, it specifically points out crops are absent because, 
you know, if there's nobody to feed, why do you need crops for, right? I, I don't know that corn serves a great purpose in the food cycle or, or not the food fight in the nitrogen cycle or whatever. I don't, don't know that we have to have some of these things in order for the rest of the world to function, but for us to eat, yeah, we got to have them. So I, I think that's, that's a very important point to understand is that, that we were designed and made to work. You know, that, that's part of it. And many of us know that, right? Um, and, and maybe you haven't known that giving credit to God for it, but you know that intrinsically there is value, there is feelings that we get from a good day's work. When you do something and you work and you earn money it, from the time we were little kids, right? From when you first go out and do something, accomplish a task and get compensated for it, whether that's via food or money to buy food. There is an intrinsic value in you that you feel good about what you've done. Yes. And I believe, I'm persuaded that that is innate. I think that's part of how we were designed, that our creator designed us to enjoy the fruit of our labor, that, that yes. we are designed to have that intrinsic enjoyment out of that. And I think that's also, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to make this political and get into universal basic income and all this nonsense, but, but that's part of the reason that, that that's wrong with you know, people that are, you know, taking advantage of, of government programs and not working. You know, it, it's one thing to provide for those that can't provide for themselves, but th there's something broken in us when we are living off of government assistance and we're not doing anything for it. That that's, you know, that that's a, a whole breakdown into what, what we're doing and, and how we're going to feel. We're always going to feel better. We are always going to function at a better capacity when we are accomplishing a task and being compensated for it. Yeah, one of the things in our modern economy that, you know, makes us so incredibly efficient is this divisional labor idea, right? And that's, that's that, and that, that's the reason that there is a specific company that does seed and a specific company that does farming and a specific company that does machinery and all those things that we talked about in the provision of daily bread. The downside of that is we are very disconnected from the actual work that goes into our blessings at times. That there is not there is not a direct connection between I understand the work that went into this loaf of bread, right? Now, in some level, we can say I you know work for my income and I went and bought this bread, but the work that goes into the production of something that disconnection we 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 I think it was far more um, straight line, far better line of sight for for Adam or this you know anti diluvian or pre diluvian. Uh, civilization where they they did all the work that was required for that daily bread. They had to go find the grain and break the grains and and work the dough and all. You saw the work that went into God's blessing of bread, and so one of the things that we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of in our in our modern world with with all of the conveniences and all the division of labor and all the intricacies of the modern economy is the separation of the work from the blessing. Is, is that there was a lot of work that went into this blessing, that this blessing of God required the work of man. And I think that's specifically true in instances like you uh, reference where it doesn't feel like, if it does feel like this money came from heaven. We just yeah. got the stimulus check, right? <laughs> I'm not, so, so it doesn't, there's a, there seems to be a, a real separation between that work and that blessing. Um, well, what, and this is a look at, it. I'm not wanting to get political either, but that, but that separation between understanding that, that that blessing requires work 
is that somebody's working to provide that blessing and, and, and the, the disconnect or the, the, um, the, the lack of putting those pieces together to think that the blessings come without somebody's work is, is that spirals into all kinds of strange economic and cultural um, consequences. And so, yeah, un- unfortunately, Hogan will be strapped to a plow for those stimmy checks. <laughs> so he will understand. And, and, that, and, <laughs> and so that that's that is exactly the point is that is that, yeah, this blessing happened. But ultimately, there's there's some work involved. And, and whether that work is separated by distance or time, mm-hmm. you know, is it, you know, an inheritance happened because somebody worked. Yeah. Or and and what we're doing is just inheritance backwards. We're paying it on the front end and working on the back end. <laughs> but but the same principle applies. And so this this concept, this Genesis concept, and the breakdown of this Genesis concept, men losing um, line of sight to the connection between work and blessings, is is a societal problem. I mean, it's it's a it's a root cause of a lot of issues. Um, yeah, and, and, why, and why should we, we be surprised by that, right? It's a, it's a foundational God thing that, that we've lost. Yeah, and, and I don't want to get uh, too uber personal here, but if, if Walmart and Kroger got wiped off, what are the chances that you could actually make bread? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Real, I mean, it would it would be laborious. <laughs> so, I, I I guess does Google still exist in this fantasy um, world? A dystopian future. This dystopian. <laughs> if Google exists, I could probably figure it out. Like, I'm sure there's a YouTube out there somewhere. <laughs> but if I can't, <laughs> I, I I'm convinced that everybody at some point, um, you know all jazzy aside and that everybody at some point should, you know, work in a restaurant, uh, work on a farm and, and see like what goes into this. Cause I think you're right. That disconnect I, I, I leads to a lack of appreciation for what we have. Like, Oh, that's just a 99 cent loaf of bread. Like, no, <laughs> you know, if, if you had to go create that loaf of bread, you know, and, and that's part of, again, I don't, this is not an economics class, but you know, part of that division of labor is what drives down the cost of bread. You know, right. Where if if we were, you know, planting wheat in the backyard and milling it and graining it, it's multiple days worth of work for us to create a loaf or multiple loaves of bread here. Right. But because of the division of labor and scale and mass production and all of that, you know, our loaf of bread is ninety nine cents instead of three days worth of work. So or maybe not 99 cents and there's inflation. We just printed trillions of dollars, $2, I guess now. Right. But whatever you're paying for the loaf of bread is a far reduced cost. So I think again, in those types of things, we, we separate the work that goes into it from the actual product because it's, it's easy, it's affordable, it's accessible. You know, we're not, you know, I, I don't know when the last time any of our listeners here have thought about, you know, I don't know if I can have bread today or I don't know if there will be bread tomorrow. So when you think about how Jesus taught the disciples to pray, give us this day, our daily bread, you know, we've got a cupboard full of stuff. We're not thinking about, you know, Hey, probably not going to have any bread. I mean, let's be real honest with each other. 
when we fuss and complain that there's nothing to eat in the house, it's not that there's no food. It's we don't like what we have. You know, most of us, it's, you know, I don't want to eat out of a can. I don't like that. We've already had that yesterday. You know, it's very much first world problems. But if you had to go, you know, get a bow and hunt or you had to wait on the wheat to come in to make bread, I think it's there's there's a difference there. So, you know, again, we've got to we've got to look at the work that we're doing that produces the the end result. So, you know, Michael's you know, in financial services. I'm a little bit more disconnected, but Michael's a lot closer. Right. You know, he's the company that that he works for. You know, they're providing food to stores that you can buy. So they're part of that distribution chain of your daily bread. Go do sell bread too, right? Correct. Yep. Or distribute bread, I guess, or so they yes. sell it. Yes. So that they're part of that big long chain that we just talked about. Yeah, and you know, I uh, apologize, I lost my my train of thought there. I, I I think that the blessings, you know, we we've talked about it kind of from a economic or, or product standpoint and bread and, and other things. The same principle applies to any blessing in our life, I think. Um, you know, what what blessing are we, um, do we, do we thank God for? You know, is it, is it the blessing of a better job? You know, that better job happened because, because of our work or, or the blessing of our paycheck. That happened because of our work. Um, the blessing of church growth. You know how that happens? Because of work. Uh, the blessing of, you know, so uh, in, both in spiritual and physical and in, in any number of ways, you know, what about, what about the blessing of believing children? What about, <clears throat> what about the blessing of a good marriage? What about the blessing of um, friendships? You know, why do all those things happen? They happen because of work that, that, that there's, there's emotional and physical and intellectual labor that's put into those into those, into those things. And so anyway, I, I just think that, 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 that really simple concept is, is pretty profound. Um, yeah, I, the, I think I should be somewhat offended that you think our friendship's a lot of work. I mean, you, you belabored that point about emotional I, costs. I, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't say we were putting an equal amount, so I, maybe you don't feel it. Uh, <laughs> so the, the second verse that, uh, again, in Genesis chapter two, and this is now man has been created. So these crops didn't exist because man um, was not yet created. Now man has been created. Verse 15, everybody's familiar with this verse. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And man had a job in Eden. And why did man have a job? For all the reasons we've already discussed, because the blessings, the, the some of the blessings of Eden uh, and think about that. Some of the blessings of Eden required Adam's work. Um, and, and uh, you know, obviously man's made to work. And so I, we'll, we'll make that point. And you've already made that point. Um, the, the second thing I think is interesting in that verse is that, and I, I had not fully noticed this or, or no one had pointed this out to me in, in, in verse 15, that, that, that that phrase to work it, that he was put in the garden of Eden to work it, you know, I don't, I don't know if Moses exactly had this in mind, but that's the same Hebrew word that many times is, is translated serve. And in some, in some instances, even translated worship. Um, and so there is a, there is a spiritual component, uh, in my judgment to Adam's work here. Yes. That Adam understands that he is in, in the work 
and, and, and work has um, kind of some uh, connotations to it that this is a, um, it's almost focused on me, right? That, that I'm doing work, whereas serve is a word that's outwardly focused, I think, in many ways. And if you think about that, Adam was not that he was working the ground, but he was serving the ground. That is a different, I think that that turns that, that whole idea around that it, it wasn't that this was something that was laid on Adam, so to speak, but rather that this was the partnership that you talked about, that he was serving as part of this, this work partnership between God and man, that Adam was serving his part of that by serving the ground. And, and I think that there, there is a spiritual component to that work that, that uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah. And, and there, there's another thing I want to point out here too, that, you know, jumps off the page when, when, when I read it and, and I, I may be reading more into this, uh, but, but I think that the two phrases there are important. He was to work it and to keep it. So, so I, I also believe that there is a expectation of return of stewardship that we've talked about that we kind of started a lot of these, these ideas with that, you know, it wasn't just to keep it status quo, but, but Adam was to grow what they were doing was to, was to have some success was to, you know, serve the ground and yield more. Um, and I, I think that that's part of it, that, that we're never, you know, just in a preservation mode and shouldn't be in our work and our service and our worship and anything that we do in our partnership with God, that it's constantly growing. We should be getting better. We should be doing more. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we get okay with where we are um, and we stagnate spiritually. We stagnate at work. You know, we just get kind of, you know, lulled into this false sense of, of security. But we have to understand that, that part of, you know, this, and I think it's different to Michael's point, when we treat it as, as, as part of our worship, as, as part of our service to God, that, that when I'm working, I'm not, you know, regardless of who signs your paycheck or who signs your W-2, that really you're working for God, that, that this is part of my partnership with God. This is part of my worship with God is that I'm going to put in my best effort because of him. Um, it, one of the other things I wanted to bring up too here is, you know, in this, this partnership that we talk about, you know, we think we talked about it in the, in the work context, but in the spiritual context, as Michael pointed, you know, churches don't grow because, you know, God just, you know, throws people on your doorstep. You've got to do something with them. And I'm reminded of, um, I'm reminded of what Paul writes to the church of Corinth, right? He says, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, right? That, that's kind of the methodology that we see of how you grow spiritually and how you grow a church. But I think sometimes we read that too quick, like, yeah, yeah, that's the, listen, there's planning. <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes into planting. There's a lot of work that goes into watering. And yes, God gets the credit for the increase, but we've got to understand that in God's increase, God's increase does not come without planning and watering. The blessings don't come without the work. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we, we get, you know, ahead of ourselves and thinking, you know, we, you know, may pray and ask God for some things that, you know, God, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I want to better this or, or, you know, a better job, or I need to do more for my family or more in the kingdom. But we've got to understand we've got to put in the work to get there. You know, God will give the increase. But that increase comes based on the work. If you want to, you know, preach the gospel and save the lost and all of that, you know, 
you can pray for opportunities, but you know what you have to do? You've got to study to be able to say something to those people when you meet them. You know, I'm, I'm reminded there was there was a young guy that, that came through, you know, our classes. We do a, a summer training program for young preachers. And, you know, that he was kind of fussing one afternoon. He was having a hard time uh, about the amount of work that's required for a preacher. And what he had said was, he's like, Mike, all I want to do is go meet people and convert them to the kingdom. I don't want to do all this reading. And, and I kind of laughed and I said, well, if you meet people, what are you going to tell them if you don't know anything? Like, what, what, what do you expect conversation-wise to happen? But he wanted the blessings and the increase without the work. And so we had to have a conversation about, you know, we've got to put in our part of it so that God gives us the increase. And, you know, I, I'm convinced in, in what I've seen in the providence of, of my life and my preaching. And, you know, I'm sure Michael's got similar stories of things that we get on studying, thinking about for whatever reason, we get down this path and the sermon that we present, you know, we have people from the audience say, I really needed that today. This is what I've been struggling with. I've gotten, you know, God connected those dots, right? It's, it's, I didn't have any insight into it, but I would have never been able to preach a sermon if I hadn't done the work and the research to put it together, to prepare it because somebody else needed it. You know, God's connecting those dots, but those dots are connected because of the work that goes into those things. Yes, well said. Um, the the other and the, the key again on the word that you noticed in in chapter two and verse fifteen, I want to talk about that that point to keep it. Um, you know, to and if you if you look up kind of the uh, the definition of that word, Hebrew is always tricky, but the definition of that word, you know, to preserve it, to guard it, to keep it. Um, and and to your point, that that means that there is a, there's an expectation of some ongoing return. And, you know, why does it, why does it strike our morality or why does it, why does it uh, offend is probably too strong a word, but why does it, why is it distasteful to us when we see a person or a corporation strip an area of all its resources and leave? Why is it, why is it distasteful to us when someone um, buys a company, strips it down, sells off the parts and walks away? It's because it, 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 it goes, it kind of offends or goes against this very core principle that our work is supposed to keep what God has put in place and preserve it and guard it. That it's not our, it's not our, our right. We don't have the right to go into something and strip it of all its resources, to leave it bare, and then to walk away. That, that, that Adam was told to work it and keep it. Like, that, like he wasn't told to strip the tree of, of, of all its fruit cut down the tree and walk away. No, there was, there was an expectation that tree was going to, to, uh, to bear fruit again. And so that, again, why I think that's interesting is why does that kind of offend or, or why does that bother us at our core when we see something that's just stripped and walked away uh, and, and left, um, left empty and barren and, and, and a wasteland was because it offends this principle that we're, we're supposed to not just work to produce, but to keep there, to preserve, uh, to guard the land or to, you know, the, the resources that God has blessed us with. We're not just using them up. Um, but, but we are, we're keeping them going for his benefit. Yeah. There, there's an old, uh, adage analogy, something, um, how, whatever that word is, I'm, I'm struggling with this morning, but anyway, about, you know, you can't plant your, your seed corn, right? 
you know, that, or you can't eat your seed corn. Um, yes. You know, and, 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 and that's always kind of struck me at, in this same principle, right. That there's a certain amount that, you know, you've got to keep back because you've got to plant for the next year and you've got to look toward the future. So to Michael's point, you know, when we're talking about preserving, you know, there, there's an idea of, of protection of those things. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, those of you that know us really well, um, you know, and, and kind of some of our views, like, I feel like I'm always defending the man and Michael's bashing the man. It's, it's so funny how, how we end up, but there are some companies that need to go bankrupt, right. That need their parts stripped off. They terrible business model. They got way over levered. Bankruptcy is a healthy part of the economic cycle. Um, but it's different in some of these like private equity takeovers where they take a perfectly good company and just strip all of its resources, strip its pension and, 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 and burn it. Uh, you know, that, that, those types of things are different, but I think that that's why it, in, in again, these innate feelings that we have, I think we're just wired that way, that that should feel wrong. It should feel wrong that we go and just completely rip out a forest somewhere and don't plant any trees behind it. And we use all the timber. I mean, that, that feels wrong and it should, because it, it, it violates this principle of to, to preserve and to grow. So I, I think it's, it's, it's both. It's, it's, it's two things. It's not grow at any cost. It's, you know, grow, but make sure we still got some seed corn right? and, yes. and make sure that there's, there, there's a tomorrow as well um, that we're not betting everything on, on today, but, you know, just make sure that we got some tomorrow too. So Adam is told to work it and to keep it. He's put into this Eden and, and he's told to work it and to keep it. So, you know, as we've already pointed out, the blessings of God require the worker man, even Eden, was a place of work. It was not, <clears throat> if you want to talk about going to utopia, if you want to go to utopia, you better bring a shovel because it, it requires, <laughs> it requires work. Um, and that's, that's, we, uh, our, our fulfillment, our flourishing requires, requires work. The last point, and this is, this is incredibly simple, but you know, in, in, in the course of talking about Adam's work life has to be discussed. <clears throat> And that is God gave him a employee handbook. <laughs> it was, it was relatively straightforward. Uh, it said, you may eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You had one job. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the abbreviated employee handbook in Eden. And we know, we know what happened. The consequence of that uh, Genesis chapter three, <clears throat> beginning of verse 17 because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not, cursed is the ground. <clears throat> In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth. And you eat the when you eat the plants of the field, by the sweat of your face you'll eat bread till you return to the ground, for you are taken out of dust, and to dust you shall return. I don't think it's a stretch to say in, in chapter three that moral failures make our work life difficult. Um, that, 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 that principle starts with Adam, that we, we still see the residue of that, but we also see the perpetuation of that, that, that moral failures make our work life more difficult. How for those who are in some kind of, you know, retail or customer oriented business, how much easier would work life be if all transactions, you know, you, you, you could trust 
you know, there were no, there were no moral issues and, and you could have transparent transactions and, you know, but that's, you know, any of us who have done business for more than 10 minutes know that that's not the case, that, that moral failures on, on both sides of the equation means that business is messy and, and it's, uh, it's complicated and it's difficult. And, and at times it's, it's uh, frustrating. Um, and, and that, that frustration in our work life, in my mind, it all goes back to Genesis three. It, go, it leads back to Adam, but we perpetuate that every, every day and every week by um, if we, when we miss God's mark, it not only makes, no, it's got all the spiritual consequences of sin, but as we said, there's, that that's the most important point. Certainly we understand that, but, but we also learn from Genesis chapter three, that all of those moral shortcomings, they also make our work life more difficult. Um, and, and, and so the inverse of that should be true that the more that, that we, um, clean up our, our own garden, so to speak, and have influence around us incrementally, our work life gets a little cleaner. Um, and I think we see that too. Um, but anyway, that, uh, that, that, that just that point that moral failures make work life, make our work life difficult. Yeah. And, and I would argue that's part of our preservation, right? The, the more we keep our lives cleaned up and keep sin out of it, that's going to help preserve those things and, and make them easier. Um, but, but that's part of it. So a couple of things I, I want to, you know, kind of double down on that Michael said. So one, the punishment for sin, the consequences of sin was not work. It was that work got hard. So I want you to kind of picture, if you will, you know, work in a garden that didn't have thorns and thistles or, or maybe didn't have weeds. You know, there, there was there's obviously part of the cultivation that Adam was responsible for. But, it you know, the, the ground being cursed and things got a lot harder. So maybe, you know, he didn't have to completely till the ground. Maybe the soil was looser. I don't know. But I can tell you Eden was easier to work in than outside of Eden. But we, I think, get the misconception, and, and this is part of what Michael and I tried to hammer this morning, is that we get the misconception that work is a punishment. Work is not a punishment. It, by any stretch of the imagination, work is, is innate. Work is good. We should feel good about the work that we do. We complicate work with sin. We make work harder with sin. Um, first, it's harder because of Adam's sin and the consequences that, that all of us have from, from that. But you know, in, in our own lives and the worlds that we control, I mean, think about how much more difficult your work life gets when you're dishonest. Um, think about how much more difficult your work life gets when you're, you know, trying to get over on somebody or steal or, you know, all of those things that 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 just makes things harder when, you know, you're, you know, transparent. And we talked about this as far as disclosure, right? You know, when, when you're in the sales cycle, you know, it's, you can't really disclose your full margin, you know, to, to a prospective customer, right? There's some internal secrets that have to be kept and some, you know, business um, properties and whatnot. But, but when you can be, you know, transparent as possible with the customers you're dealing with, hey, this is, you know, how our pricing model, you know, we built this and we think this is fair for you and this is what we can do for you and this is what the expectations are. All of those things work out better. What I've found in my 20 some odd year career is that when we don't have the proper expectations or when expectations aren't followed through, that's when problems happen. 
And so whether that's through sin or lack of transparency, lack of honesty, lack of understanding, all of those things just make things a lot harder. So, you know, the, the cleaner lives we can live, the easier it's going to be, I'm persuaded. Um, you know, and, and I'm not, again, not that work's ever going to be completely easy, but it's easier than, yes. than, than what we have if we make things worse. Yes. And, you know, that's a, that's a life lesson, right? We've, we've, you've preached that lesson before, you know, not outside of our work lives, you know, it's hard for you to kick against the bricks, right? That's a, the, that our lives are more difficult when it's hard to kick against the goad, whatever, you know, whatever version you use there. It, our, our lives are more difficult when we are running against God's grain, when our purpose is different than God's purpose, when our, um, when our tactics are not things that God would be pleased with, life's just harder. That's, mm-hmm. that's true in our marriage. It's true in our family lives. It's true in our church lives. It's certainly true in our business lives that when we're not, we're not playing according to God's handbook as, as Adam learned, mm-hmm. things just get hard. We can expect the road to be difficult. We can expect to be frustrated. And, and as we've said before, and I think we said this in the Tower of Babel, that frustration, that things being thrown in our path is a grace mm-hmm. because if we're, if we're going down the wrong path, then being knocked down is a blessing. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and it, it certainly doesn't feel that way in the moment, but if we're going down the wrong path, then defeat is a grace. And um, that's the reason that, that our work lives get hard. It's, it's certainly a consequence, but it's also a, it's also a opportunity uh, to, what's the definition of repent, to, to, to go a different direction. Uh, right. And so that, 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 that opportunity is there. Yeah. And, and part of that, though, comes with, you know, has Paul talked about, you know, buffeting his body daily. Um, it comes with autopsying those failures. And you know, we talked about that with the Tower of Babel. And we've talked about that, you know, in, in a couple other places is that we have to be open and honest enough with ourselves to autopsy those failures and say, hey, wait a minute, boys, why did this go wrong? You know, what happened here? And, you know, why is this stumbling block in the road? And how can we get better? How can we learn from it? Um, but if we just, you know, again, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You know, if we keep trying to go forward and we keep, you know, button up against this or, or life keeps getting harder, you know, at some point, you know, we, we've got to we've got to calm down, you know, to, to steal another Old Testament you know, phrase at some point, you know, we're God's going to burn down our barley field, right? You know, at some point, you know, things are, are going to get to the point where, you know, the tower gets knocked down, the barley field gets burned, where, mm-hmm. you know, everything gets stopped. But if we understand, and, and, and you know, kind of going all the way back to the beginning, if we understand this is a partnership with God, and that's who your partner's with, that, that, that it's me and God in this endeavor, I think we look at it a lot different too. I mean, I, I think, you know, at least I do when I, when I think about it that way, that I'm not letting down my company. I'm not even letting down my family. I'm letting down God. If I fail in this, this venture, if I'm not transparent, if I'm not honest, if I'm not, you know, moving forward, that, that that's who I'm really letting down is that business partner who's responsible to help me grow. I put in the work, he creates the growth, Right. I think it, I think it, it feels different when you're letting him down. Yeah. And make sure we define failure appropriately in that context is that, that when you fail, it's not because, um, you know, your wildest business dreams didn't come true. It's because it's because you, 
uh, treated someone poorly or you were dishonest or you, you failed in that way. And that, that, and that, that, this real simple point is kind of, you know, that's the book of Haggai. Um, right. um, you know, why, why, when you go to the well, is it not what you expect? And why is that when you, when you go to find grain, it's not what you expect. It's, it's because you're running, you're running against my purposes. Um, that's a separate study, but that that's, that's a, a, a good portion of that book is, you are not finding yourself blessed because you are working against my purposes. Um, so that, I think that, that fits into our context here. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I think we're out of soap. Um, what, what, what's McKibben's phrase when you're out of soap, you got to get out of the bathtub. <laughs> Listen, that's between you two. So, something like that. Um, it's funnier when he says it, uh, but whatever. Um, so thank you all for tuning in again, you know, kind of the, quick and dirty recap. Um, we were made to work. Um, it's, it's a partnership with God and we're, we're made for that partnership. Um, our work is, is twofold. It's to, to serve the work, to grow it and to protect it. Um, and I think we've got to keep those two principles important. And then, then thirdly, that the consequences uh, are that work got harder, not that work is a consequence. Work is a blessing. The consequences are work becomes harder um, when we're not doing things God's way, and, and that's where we're going to have more difficulties in life. So as you think about, you know, going out, you know, today to the workplace or, or as you get into work um, tomorrow and throughout the rest of the course of this week, I hope, you know, we've helped open your eyes a little bit to uh, how you should view that, that it's not a punishment to go to work, but rather it's a blessing and it's what we're made for. And there's some good that comes of that. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully that helps you all along the way. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. Uh, we're out of Genesis. Um, Can't go backwards. We can go any further backwards. <laughs> so we're going to have to start going just, uh, further forward in the Old Testament text. Uh, yeah, can't, can't go backwards anywhere. Um, so we're, we'll go a little forward in the Old Testament text uh, and, and try to do it again next week. Again, thank you all for being here. Thank you for, uh, for tuning in with us. And uh, we hope we've been a blessing to you today. Thanks, my man.